Before we get to the interview with Carla and Shilpa, I wanted to shamelessly promote the podcast website. Again, we're talking makingthebrand.co, people. Makes it very easy for you to share with friends and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. If you're a teacher, I don't know if I have any teachers listening, but go ahead and assign the podcast as homework to your students. I'm maybe you're teaching something about branding. Maybe you're teaching like anthropology. Either way, math, algebra, pre-calc. I think this works for all of them. I think they'll learn something. Throw it as an assignment. Not a big deal. Just one night. If you're a student, throw a little assignment to your teachers. Get them on board. Anyway, makingthebrand.co. I'll stop talking. Enjoy the episode. There have been many times where we've, um, you know, we've we've had to say no to opportunities where the brand could be so much bigger, but would look and feel so much different. Welcome, everybody, to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I'm a venture capitalist at Draper Associates. But on this show, we're going to be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Carla Gallardo and Shilpa Shah, co-founders of Koyana. They teach us about the power of a strong brand message and making short-term sacrifices to protect a longer-term vision. So today on the show, we have two wonderful guests, uh, Carla Gallardo and Shilpa Shah, the co-founders of Kuyana. Um, Carla and Shilpa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. We're thrilled to be here. So to start off, I, I typically like to ask simply, what is Kuyana? Um, So Kuyana is a fashion brand. Um, Our ethos is around fewer, better things. Um, And we create timeless essentials for women that really deliver on the promise of quality, value, story um, with an amazing, um, amazing premium offering. Okay, so you're a fashion brand. What what should we be picturing? What are some of your best selling products? What are you what would you think that you're best known for? The, the 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 area that we focus on is on those products uh, in a woman's closet that are worn in the day to day. So um, those products that we usually reach for um, when we are stepping out of the house, or even also when we are staying in the house. So our our bestseller categories are um, our our leather good goods categories. Um, our totes are, are some of the, our customer favorites, and um, we've um, we started that um, that that offering with a soft leather classic tote back in 2011. And given how uh, how rapid uh, the demand grew for a product of this quality and type, we've actually um, added features to that original model all the way from making it uh, making it into a tall version, adding a zipper, adding straps and creating carryalls out of it, and, and all the way to today where our offering also includes a structured version that has a tote insert that you can put inside to organize um, your items. And how did you two get into the apparel business? We um, we got into the apparel business as avid consumers who were very disappointed with the options we had presented in front of us. So we, um, Carla and I, actually um, are not from the fashion world. Carla was an investment banker in her past life, and I was actually a computer science user interface designer. And what we found was, as women, not natural paths in the fashion, <laughs> not natural at all. Um, but in, in a lot of ways, it actually makes a lot of sense. I think with e-commerce brands these days, um, like we just had a very strong aesthetic um, and strong um, point of view. And we, you know, took the entrepreneurial jump to basically make what we wanted to buy a reality. Um, so that's, you know, that's how we got into it. At the time where we started this business, you couldn't even repeat buy a product that you loved as a woman. And now 
um, through a product offering like Guiana's, like you really have all of the fundamental pieces you need to live your best life. Okay, paint paint more of a picture. How did you how did you two meet? Uh, when did you start this? Uh, how did it go from you know sort of a casual conversation to to a full on business? And and what are all the steps along the way? Yeah, for sure. So um, the Kuyana dream actually started way back in two thousand and seven, um, and even before that, actually in two thousand one, when Carla moved from Ecuador to the states and was overwhelmed by how many consumer choices there were with very poor quality options. And so she started thinking about her upbringing and how she lived in a very intentional fewer better home and how the supply chain of the Panama hat in Ecuador was very um, much uh, underutilized um, and very and offered at very high prices when it came to the U S. So there was an inequity there that she was focused on. And so she actually wrote about, this issue and, and creating a better direct-to-consumer offering as part of her business school essay in 2007. Um, so pretty pretty long and pretty visionary um, for for that time period. There was no Warby Parker. There was no there were no direct-to-consumer brands that were really popping up, and so she really felt like there was an opportunity to do something different. And in 2009, while she was a second year at Stanford. Um, this woman, myself, was visiting the classroom and just happened to introduce myself as a user interface designer and a mom. And Carla at the time was working on a project that required both of those things. And so she uh, came up to me after a class. It was like a super serendipitous, meant to be moment. And we hit it off, worked on that project. And then two years later, when she was actually jumping into Dukuyana full time, she came to Berkeley where I was getting my MBA and basically um, with a, a scarf and a vest um, convinced me to, to join this project with her, even though we had no background in it. And um, we've been pounding the pavement ever since. Were scarf and vest the first two products? It was the second collection, which was Peru. So the first collection was a series of hats, um, Panama hats and resort hats um, from Ecuador. And then she went to Peru and she was um, one of the first, our, our brand was one of the first to really make baby alpaca as a, as a fiber available. And so it was the second collection um, that she gifted me. And I, um, I just remember at that time point, it was, it wasn't the gift itself, but I became obsessed with the idea and those two products I kept reaching for. So while we didn't make that many things, they were, they were always in my bag. Like I always had it just the Bay area weather being so finicky that, um, they made an impression on me and I realized, you know, really what the, the value proposition was from a business and a customer perspective. Is baby alpaca softer than regular alpaca? It is, Billy. It is much softer. The baby alpaca is actually um, the baby hairs on the alpaca's neck, so the finest hair of the animal. It's not actually taken from little baby alpacas. It's kind of um, misnamed, but um, it is uh, the finest uh, fiber that you can get out of Peru, especially in the wool category, and um, many people actually feel like it rivals cashmere. Uh, this is why I do the podcast. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Oh man, how could I have lived without knowing that? Um, <laughs> and and how did you how did you come up with the name? It's such a beautiful sounding word. So uh, part of, of 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 our brand is to give honor um, to the heritage of how products are made and to the makers of those products and. Kuyana started with uh, a collection of straw hats made in Ecuador, which is uh, the country I'm from. And um, the, the heard of it. <laughs> I'm glad you have, Billy. Uh, <laughs> Ecuador actually means the equator because it's on the equator. Learn two new things. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay, sorry, I cut you off. Go on. <laughs> Well, that's great. Uh, but anyway, um, so we so so the makers of our first collection are actually indigenous women um, that and 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 they they all reside in the area of Cuenca. 
which is up in the mountains and in the Andean mountains. And the language spoken in the Andean region, not only in Ecuador, but, but, but um, in, in Colombia and Peru is Quechua. And so in honor of those makers, we named the company um, in Quechua. And um, the, 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 the verb or word that we chose for Cuyana is to love. So Cuyana means to love in Quechua. And, and it really goes back to the fact that we want customers to buy products they love and to really use those products on their day to day and to not feel like they made a mistake. Um, and, you know, everything that we do here internally is also uh, made with love and, and with intention. That is, a, yeah, that's a sort of perfect name. So, I mean, you really named it well. It, even if you don't know that it means to love, I think it's a, it's just a nice word to say. Uh, and you're, and you've mentioned this. Your business identity is based around this concept of of fewer better things, which seems to really resonate with people. But it's so counterintuitive to the consumer industry as we have known it. Uh, you know, preaching minimalism when your business re- uh, relies on selling things. How how did you come up with that message? It was actually, you know, this message resonates a lot with customers today. Back in 2011, not so much. Uh, it's actually a, 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 a need that customers started to recognize through a brand that gave them um, the offering that we have, which is basically high quality prices that are accessible and an experience that doesn't push product, but rather allows you to think about your investment and, 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 and guides you through it. Right. And, um, and, and, and fear better ultimately for us and, 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 and for our brand isn't really about minimalism. Um, it's about fewer better. And, and what that means is, um, you know, let's let's buy those products that we truly love. And really, if we love shoes, it's okay to have many, many pairs of shoes, as long as each one of those of those shoes, you know, has a special place in our closet, and we are actually using them. Um, and so, you know, you can take your better to also say, well, you know what, I only want, you know, a very a minimal amount of, 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 of products across each category, but it can also mean going deep into those categories that you that you that you're really excited about um and 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 the the core of it is uh the core of this concept is let's be intentional let's think before we buy and so you know at kuyana we when you walk into a store you will never feel like the sales uh the sales team is pushing product on you when you're on our website we don't have sales because we don't want to create the effect of customers buying out of the sense of urgency, uh, but rather to think before they make those purchases. Um, and what ends up happening, and, and it's incredibly counterintuitive with, with, with what, um, you know, with, with a growing business, because we, we obviously want to grow. We want our customers to buy our products. Um, but when you offer them products, when you offer your customer products um, that they end up loving and cherishing and wearing daily, their price per wear is actually so minimal, right? It goes down to really low numbers um, that they end up coming back for more. And, and, and that ends up being the second piece of our value proposition, which is, our you know, we want to create products that customers love. Uh, and then the repeat rate that we see is, is, is increased compared to, to the rest of, of the industry metrics. Have you thought about taking it to even the next level and at your retail stores having your sales or checkout people saying, are you sure you want it? <laughs> well, we actually, we actually, we do, we, we do do that. We've thought about that. We'd actually also thought about their return process being incredibly different and innovating there because, you know, if you're kind of unsure once you get it, even if you buy online, uh, it should be incredibly easy for you to send it back um, and, and how to innovate on that even further. Like I know a lot of companies are are trying to make that process easy from a logistics standpoint. But for us, there's like even a stronger fundamental reason for our customer to, to send those products back if they don't like them. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a great idea. Um, and and one thing I noticed and one thing I've spoken to a few people who are who are uh, Kuyana loyalists about is your color selection. It's It's mostly, I should say, for the most part, it's beiges, grays, whites, blacks, uh, sort of neutral colors. How are you deciding on your color choices? Was that intentional or, is, or was that just based on what the customers are telling you? 
Well, definitely intentional. It turns out that, you know, when you're building an assortment that's uh, meant to be worn uh, on a daily basis and across seasons, the neutral colors are those that stand through time. Um, and so that is definitely the bulk of our sales and what our what we originally offered to the customer and what the customer gravitates towards. That said, we all like a, like a, a little bit of fun. And even, you know, if, if there are certain um, there every season, sorry, we, we launch also seasonal colors that are small batches of, of those same products, but that are offered um, in, in colors relevant to the season. And so, for example, in spring of 2018, our seasonal color was daffodil. And you're going to ask me, well, what is daffodil? <laughs> daffodil is like a, a mustard yellow color that was, interestingly enough, incredibly popular. Uh, and uh, the summer 2018 color of Kuyana is lipstick, which is this um, reddish bright color um, that we've added to the assortment. And so we're always sprinkling our assortment with fun colors that are relevant for the season, but the core of our assortment sells in the more classic colors. Good to know. Good to know that you can still get a pop. It's important to have a pop of color every once in a while. That's what I've found at least. Um, <laughs> and for us, like we love color. And I think that's probably why you're hearing that from Kuyana loyalists. Like if, if you truly have products that you love, especially like, you know, that a, a bag or a wallet or even a top, like it's fun to play with color and, and all of our colors, even though there may be um, some seasonal variety there, like they, they still are beautiful and make a woman feel beautiful that can really last through the, through time. And how have you funded the business so far? How did you how did you get started to begin with, and and how have you funded it since? So we uh, we actually bootstrapped at the beginning uh, until we proved our concept and supply chain. Um, our goal was to um, raise um, a bigger chunk of capital um, uh, once we could prove our business, um, and and the reason why why uh, why we did that is because back in two thousand eleven. Um, VCs weren't really investing in companies that held inventory. Um, they're also not investing in brands, um, nor <laughs> did they, uh, yeah, th th there was no, no real interest in, in that. And so um, the core of our business model and, you know, not from a customer standpoint is that our supply chain is an incredibly thought out um, model that allows, um, allows us to make a product in a way that de-risks uh, the potential of making big mistakes on a seasonal basis with productions, and so we've um, we've optimized you know every angle of of of, of the production chain um, to be able to create a test and response model where we put products on the market, we see how they do, and then we 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 make bulk once we understand velocity. And so, and oh sorry. Yeah, so with that model and, and, and spending two years, you know, with a, a very little amount of money bootstrapping so that we could um, create the supply chain um, that was, you know, that that's the original. That, sorry, that is the, the business model. But the, the second piece that made it doable was um, the fact that um, there were a lot of factories around the world um, that were left with excess capacity after the migration of brands to Asia. And uh, we took advantage of that opportunity to establish relationships with specialty leather factories in Italy, specialty leather factories in Argentina, cotton in Turkish, such that we could build that supply chain and, and deliver through the supply chain a new offering to the customer um, that was about really high quality, um, affordable price points, and very strong heritage and story uh, to each of those products. And so for a year and a half, we spent uh, our time doing that. And it was a moment in time where that we had um, when these you know, factories were, were really open to uh, working in a different way and with small uh, brands. And then with that, we, we, we started fundraising in um, 2012. Uh, and it was difficult that initially because um, we, you know, we were still a company that held inventory and, uh, you know, within... 10 minutes of, of the conversation, many investors were not interested in that. Um, and, but we, we figured out a way of, of, of pitching this 
business model and idea of, of building a direct-to-consumer brand with this very strong supply chain to women investors who really understood the value proposition from a customer standpoint um, and who really saw the vision of, of a brand that sells fewer, better things um, and, and, and who also you know, spent actually a lot of time um, talking about supply chain and repeat rates and really the, the, the key metrics that make uh, retail companies successful. And so we were able to, to raise a seed round from Keenan Partners, and uh, it, was, it was all thanks to Maha Ibrahim, who, who, who got the business model right away um, and, 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 who, and, and, and who, who supported us um, all along. And and on that on the customer side, where are you having the most success finding customers today? Is it? I, I imagine you know you have a big Instagram following. I imagine digital marketing has been effective. Where are you finding sort of the best uh, the best uh, pools of customers for your for what you're looking for? It's digitally, socially, and like you know, we we our brand really the the, the core of our growth comes from the excitement around our products. And so, um, you know, most of our of our customer base uh, growth has come from word of mouth, whether it's people sharing our products uh, and about our brand digitally, press or influencers online, as well as people gifting each other. Um, so it ends up happening that most of our traffic that comes to our site is direct traffic or search with the intention of finding Kuyana. That's insane. That's incredibly impressive. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of consumer brands haven't quite figured out that viral word of mouth channel to be effective, or to be highly effective, I should say. Do you have any identifying marks or characteristics of your of your purses or of your handbags or of your clothing that so so that someone from from you know ten feet away could could recognize something as Kuyana, or is it just people are talking about it? Um, so that's, that's, that's such an interesting point you bring out. Um, we were also part of, uh, you know, what was revolutionary when I say revolutionary, when it really isn't, but like what was different about us and, and when we launched is that we were a no logo brand. So you, you know, we do not put our logos on the outside of our products because our products are meant to be worn by every woman who purchases them. And she is the identity, not our brand, right? She makes our products hers. Um, and so when it comes to brand identifiers, when we started the brand, our, the identifying, uh, the identifier of our products is, is the design itself. So if you find, if you see a saddlebag, you know, it's a Kuyama saddlebag, you know, our totes were very unique back then. Clearly, uh, as the market catches on, there are a lot of copycats and we've seen, you know, a lot of our, our designs, particularly our classic leather tote, uh, copied by, by many other uh, followers, but it ends up happening that you can still distinguish the Kuyana uh, tote from, you know, a few feet afar from the, from the copies because of our quality, like that um, soft, incredibly, like beautifully looking leather is incredibly recognized because the way that our bags wear through the years, they look new five years later. Whereas these other bags, um, uh, you can see the, the wear and tear within quite a few months. And it's, it's really incredible. Our own customers come back to, to always tell us that. Um, but we are innovating on creating a stronger, unique identifier for accessories. We have it in apparel. It's a, a tiny golden dot in the back of, of the apparel pieces below the neck. So all of our apparel pieces have that dot. Um, and then we, we will see how we add something on the accessories that will be very subtle, um, that won't take away from the product, but that uh, will allow you to distinguish um, Kuyana designs across uh, bags and, and small leather goods. And you mentioned some copycats around your style, around your design. Do you have any policies when it comes to competitors? How, how do you think about the competition? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I mean, fashion has always been this way it's you know it's it's um it's it's a world where there are no trademarks and you know you it's really hard to keep a design yours um our 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 policy is to keep focused um we our focus is on making the best quality product out there with the most 
beautiful, simple design. And if we focus on that, right, and we've, we work really hard on innovating the supply chain so we can bring those at the best price possible, we know that it is incredibly hard to copy our products. And the, exact, the perfect example is the leather tote. Even though we see that design copied by so many brands out there today, they still haven't been able to deliver this product at the quality level that we have and the price point that we've been that 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 that, that we that we've achieved through our supply chain. Um, and so you see the big bigger mass retailers, you know, uh, um, carrying this design, but just the. the you know, it's really hard for them to get to such a lean supply chain where they can achieve margin and, and quality. And then for the smaller folks um, that are that are coming to market, we still haven't been able to see um, them arrive to this really nice sweet spot that we have uh, for quality and price. And did you ever feel, um, I guess, what challenges did you face in the early days? What, what mistakes did you make early on? Um did you ever think about giving up, you know, those sorts of things? How did you, how did you face uh, challenges in the early days? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is tough to build a brand, right? And um, it's, uh, it's the constant challenge of, uh, of working on growing a business that can sustain itself, uh, but being the police officer when it comes to brand and basically saying no to growth opportunities, right? That don't align with the vision of the brand, and um, and 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 there have been many times where we've um, you know we've we've had to say no to opportunities where the brand could be so much bigger but would look and feel so much different. And an example is we've been approached many times by um, you know larger um, department stores or stores that want to sell our products and. Even though we know we could reach many more people, we know that we would lose the, 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 the touch point with our customer and delivering the product through somebody else is something we choose not to do. Um, and then when it comes to mistakes is when we've, when we've decided to make partnerships work that you know, potentially uh, wearing, wearing, uh, did not yield the results that we were looking for, but we spent a lot of time uh, on the partnership. And that's the piece that direct-to-consumer brands, uh, you know, uh, focus a lot of their marketing time on because we don't have access to that distribution that uh, brands who wholesale do. We are, you know, constantly partnering with brands or influencers or um, in order to reach different audiences. And those partnerships require a lot of time and effort and and money. And um, and 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 the goal is for both brands to achieve results, whether to acquire more customers or, or sell a certain amount of, of goods. And, um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, the vision for those partnerships doesn't become a reality when, when you actually look at the results, but you had your team spend a lot of time on it. Um, but that is just normal. And look, you know, nobody has the perfect formula as to how to, how to, how to approach those and, 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 um, and, and we're all learning. Um, so, so it's been, you know, it's been a really interesting, uh, uh, growing uh, an interesting process for us and um we 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 say we haven't made huge mistakes because we've been always incredibly careful on before putting a lot of money into something we always test in smaller ways have you had any success with influencer marketing oh absolutely we um you know that's really how kuyana grew at the beginning of of our years through uh pinterest um and it was an early uh, point in time where, um, you know, we, we caught the wave right before it started to become incredibly expensive to work with influencers. And in fact, a lot of influencers were becoming influencers when Kuyana was, was uh, getting started. And they worked with us because they loved our brand and products in a way that was incredibly economical. Many times it was just through gifting. And, um, and, and we met a lot of these great uh, influencers and bloggers who actually became brand friends and helped us with the brand and in a way that didn't really require these expensive contracts. And so um, through that, at the beginning, in a very authentic way, we reached many different audiences. And um, that really is how our classic leather tote uh, penetrated the market really fast at the beginning. Um, and, 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 and it changes every time, you know, it was Pinterest back then, then Instagram. And, um, and I think now we're, we're yet to see what, what, what's the next, um, uh, uh, social media channel that will yield similar 
uh, effect and that we can catch on the early side of the of the wave. And and back quickly to the challenges and mistakes. Did did you two ever have a conversation? Hey, this isn't working. Hey, we we might want to consider winding this down. Um, I don't think we've ever been at the point where we've wanted to give up. Um, Shilpa and I are relentless and incredibly resourceful. There have been certainly times where it's been incredibly hard, uh, but I don't think we've ever been in the place where we've been ready to shut down the company. And I think we've been fortunate to be in a place where the you know we've managed the business in a way that we've never. Uh, had to sit and say, oh my gosh, we're not going to have cash next week. Um, we've just been very methodical in how we manage that. And, you know, it definitely comes at the cost of sometimes we have to grow slower to make sure we have enough cash in the bank, right? Um, but in, in that sense, we've never had the urge to close because uh, we're out of money. Um, and, and, and then there has been, a, and we've had the great support of our investors um, along the way. Um, but we have made mistakes that have been, you know, uh, uh, many times demotivating, but um, we keep each other uh, in check and, 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 and we, we, we've managed to lift ourselves up from, from the down, from the lows and, and come back up to, to the highs. And I think that, um, you know, when your journey is about more than just business success, and that is very important to us. But it's also like we're extremely passionate about the mission, about the product, about each other, about building a successful team, that all of those elements continue to keep you motivated and, and growing. And what do your two day-to-day lives look like now? How do you split responsibilities? Where are you based? How big is the company? Yeah, so we've, um, we're based in San Francisco, which is where we um, started. And um, our responsibilities, actually, we are very complementary from the beginning, both of our skill sets. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we, um, so a lot of it, actually, Carla's the CEO, and that's always been very clear. So she, she handles, um, like, we both have right, and, right brain and left brain tendencies. So I think that so the finance part for Carla, but that she has an, an incredible instinct and point of view on product. And for me, it's always been more on the digital side and storytelling, I think being a user experience designer. And so I have a bigger um, kind of impact on the marketing and brand, um, the brand storytelling, um, those, those elements. And so um, I oversee more of the marketing teams and um, the digital teams. I, and now, um, and Carla oversees more of the, the product and finance teams and, and pretty much the entire company because all brand decisions ultimately go to Carla. And how, how big is the company? How many people are working with you? We're over, we're about 70 employees now and growing. Are most of them in San Francisco? Yes. We have, um, so we're opening our third retail store in New York in May. So we do have um, a team forming there as well as a team in Los Angeles because we have a store in Venice um, Beach and um, some of our uh, business development partnerships and dev team is is down in LA. And then um, one of the unique things about Kuyana is that we actually kept all of distribution in house. So we're, we are obsessed with customer journey and customer experience, especially around our brand. So every box that a customer receives is receives is actually packed and shipped by a Kuyana employee. We never outsource that element of our business. Um, and I think that's one of the places where um, a lot of companies have failed is that by removing um, where their product actually is and not seeing their product every day is um, is one way for the, the company to really get disassociated from from their customers um, impact and receiving those products. And so now you have retail experiences in New York and Los Angeles and you're opening one in San Francisco soon. Are there any others? So we have one in San Francisco from the beginning. So we've always been believers in retail. So our San Francisco sh- um, store opened um, within two months of us launching the brand officially with marketing. So coming out to market with fewer, better things in June of 2013. And we opened our showroom store in August of 2013. And then we started doing pop-ups right away. So we did a pop-up in LA, um, in Venice beach on Abbott Kinney in 2015. And that store did so well that we ended up keeping it, making it permanent that December of 2015. 
And then we've done pop-ups um, in eight different cities. So we've been in D.C., um, Boston, Chicago, New York four times, um, Seattle, Portland, Dallas. So we've been all over the place testing retail since 2014 um, with pop-ups. And um, so we are now opening permanently in New York, which we're very excited about. So after four years of pop-ups, um, we're settling into the Nolita neighborhood and we open in mid-May on Prince and Elizabeth. Uh, everyone, if you're anywhere near New York or Soho or Nolita, you should be going to this when it opens. Uh, if and and with with brands, part of the challenge is staying cool uh, and relevant, uh, even when you grow to be a big success. How are you? Yeah. How are you going to keep your offering fresh and exciting for your customers? That's a it's a very um, apt point. I think you know the the thing that. Um, so we are always innovating and doing really amazing styles. Um, and what I, but what I love about Kuyana that I feel like is never going to go away is that um, quality never goes out of style. And doing really beautiful quality pieces that have fashion relevancy is where we've always um, had the brand focused on. And so, you know, like innovating on color, materials, um, styles, doing something that always has a feminine touch um, those are the brand attributes of our product um, of our products. And I think that um, making women feel beautiful is not something that can ever, there's no cap on that. Um, and so that's really what inspires us. And, and um, you know, like, I think that's what our customers really um, resonate with. And what, if, if things work out how you two hope, what does Koyana look like in, in five or 10 years? Um, and well, I mean, we, we want, our goal is to make this brand and this movement as big as possible. So for us, um, in five years, we're, we're in, um, international, um, our product categories have grown, our store experiences, um, have grown and that people really continue to view us as a thought leader in the space. Um, and you know, it's, it's actually, um, it's maybe a little, it, it's, it's bigger and better, um, but it's the, the actual soul of the company and the brand would be very much the same. You, do you ever have any hopes or ambitions to get into men's clothing or men's leather goods? Yeah, so we um, we actually launched a small men's capsule last year. So don't worry, we're not ignoring you, Billy. We oh, have products. This, sound, this brand just sounds awesome, and I'm just waiting for the day yeah. that I can buy something. No, it's true. But for us, um, we are, uh, you know, very much about our consumer and making sure that she has everything she needs. So um, we're, we're um, like other things that Carla mentioned, we're very thoughtful before we enter new categories. So um, we're, we're starting um, slow and making sure that we meet all your needs until we can really um, give a men's offering that we're super proud of. And my wife, Hillary, who is who introduced me to Kuyana, who's a huge fan of, of your product line, wanted to know this morning, I asked her, hey, I'm talking to Kuyana today. Is there anything you want to ask them? She wants to know, are there any new product offerings coming in the near term that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited. So tell her. She, well, right now, actually, we're launching uh, really cool summer uh, products for uh, um, that will make her feel incredibly elegant and fun in her um, summer journeys. Um, so we're introducing some mater fun materials like seersucker today. Um, we're going to introduce raffia later in the summer. And it's, it's, this is a material that's a woven material uh, from Italy for this incredibly beautiful beach bag. Uh, later this um, fall, we have really exciting products coming. Um, we're going to be working, uh, launching a new work satchel um, that is um, just a gorgeous design and and we envision this bag being a huge success this year and so she needs to update her work bag tell her to wait until september i will actually i won't tell her i'll just make sure she's listening to the podcast and then see if she gets it here and better <laughs> and also tell her we're launching our first um pant as well so we're actually going more into the bottoms category which we're really excited about uh, that'll be, she'll be very excited about both of those things. Um, 
And and last real question, and then we get into some wacky ones. Uh, what advice would you have for someone getting into the consumer goods market today? What do you, in 2011, when you were getting started for real, what do you wish someone had told you? My number one advice is to be tenacious and to really just pound the pavement every day and follow through and, and really, um, I know it's an overused word, but innovate along the way. So don't get so obsessed with your ideas such that you can't change them, but make sure the core and soul of what you're trying to build is always the same and not to get, um, don't get, don't let the, the hardships and challenges take away your motivation. So you've no idea what you're going to, where you're going to be five years from where you start. But if you really just work hard for those five years, I guarantee you're going to be in, in a place that you never expected. Um, so just really um, keeping with it and, and never letting it get you down because you'll be better off with all of those kind of war wounds that you a- a- acquire along the way. Carla? My advice is to um, focus on product first. If you're creating you know, a brand for the consumer, the product is really the core focus and what is it that you are delivering and really meeting those expectations. Uh, in my point of view, there is no MPV for product. It is a the product. So you know, never offer something that's below what the, the, the true ultimate vision is. Well, I think that's great advice from both of you. And now let's get a little wacky. So each of you, you have to pick and you only get to pick one. What is your favorite item that you sell? For me, it's the leather tote, um, hands down, um, because I went back to business school as a 32-year-old woman and could not find a bag that I could carry my stuff to school in. Um, and I was forced to go back to the backpack route, um, which at that time I was not happy about. And I, we, I was convinced that we needed to make a product, which Carla was as well, that really allowed the everyday, um, use that could could transition from weekday to weekend. And I, I, you know, hands down, we have the best leather tote on the market and we, we, brought it to the market when there were there were no options for women. Here's a twist. Carla, you can't pick the same one. Go on. Because <laughs> it was easier for me to answer than you thought, huh, Billy? Thought I thought it would, it be, would be. Yeah, it usually is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, mine is the leather travel case set, uh, and it's been my favorite since we made it. In fact, when I started Kuyana, that was the product I wanted to make first. Uh, but I didn't have the supply chain to support that. Um, I think that the market has many options for women to put their makeup on and their kind of travel, uh, you know, their, their toiletries in, but really nothing as beautiful and elegant and high quality as our leather travel case set. And I've had mine since 2012 when we made our first sample and it still looks so new and it still smells like leather. And every time I pull it out of my bag, you know, whoever's traveling with me, asks me, and by the way, this is either my husband or Shilpa nowadays, um, <laughs> back in the day when I did a lot of trips with friends, it would be like, where did you get that from? Is it $500? Okay. If you could each choose anyone to endorse Kuyana, who would it be? I know when it gets into menswear, it's going to be me. So we don't have to talk about that today. <laughs> today, who would you pick to endorse Kuyana? Wow. As a woman, uh, God, we have so many brand friends that we love and um it's it's really hard to pick one billy and i don't want to i don't want to sound cheesy but the, the whole point of kuyana is that we are a brand that fits so many different women and so for me to pick one as the example is is just hard but i'll tell you what matters to me and maybe this is not even the, the answer that you're you're looking for but i think that you know in, women that are incredibly busy in their life like and, and, and this can be any woman, whether it's a career woman who's just like been successful at that or incredibly successful mothers who are incredibly busy, tenacious, are traveling, um, also want to have a personal life um, or care about their family and are just like, you know, running around all day getting things done. Um, that's really our muse. That's who we designed for. And that's, that's who we want uh, to be represented by. Um, I'm sure Shilpa has names for you, but for me, it's really hard to pick one just because our woman is just so multifaceted. 
Yeah. All right, Carla, I accept the creativity of the answer. Shilpa, <laughs> we're dropping names though, Shilp. We're, dro- we're dropping names. Um, so for me, it's actually really an honor to say that two of the people that I wanted to endorse the brand already have. So um, Christy Turlington and Jessica Alba were thrilled to say are huge supporters and also friends, which are which was pretty remarkable coming from the fact that we didn't have many connections at the beginning of building this company. And it just speaks volumes on how supportive they are of other women. Um, and the, my next one, which I would, you know, just be over the moon for would be Michelle Obama. I think she represents everything that Carla mentioned as our muse and just really understands the power of being intelligent, maternal, supportive, um, political, uh, elegant, and beautiful. And I think she embodies all of those characteristics at the same time, because to us, um, you know, Carla and I are both moms, and we're both businesswomen, and we we are tired of being pigeonholed as only one thing. Um, and we're multifaceted. And even at work, I'm still a mom. And at, at home, I'm still... Um, an executive, like it, 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 you don't really, you play all those roles at the same time. And I think women who really embody that, especially someone like Michelle Obama, who did it so elegantly the whole time when she was in the spotlight, um, is they're super inspiring to us. So the last three weeks of answers to this question have been Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and Michelle Obama. Oh, damn. I feel like I was original. Um, no, I, you, Michelle Obama is missing just a huge opportunity to, to be the ambassador for all these brands. Michelle, I know. I God, I know you're listening and you're sending me emails all the time. Please, please take one of these young brands under your wing. Finally. I know. She has. I mean, she has been exposed to our product and... Um, I know that she got some gifts, especially when we were in DC. So I think, I think it's going to happen. Okay. I, well, well, let's, we just put it into the universe and now it's going to happen. So, um, if you, each of you, if you weren't running Kuyana, what would you be doing? Running another company, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would that company be doing? Delivering high quality press. I'm kidding. No, um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, Shilpa and I can't sit still. We, we, um, we just are really passionate. I'll speak for myself. I'm super passionate about delivering new experiences or just, you know, giving a better offering to customers, you know, and what they have. And, um, whether it's right now in the product industry, like I also think there's so much opportunity in the service industry. Um, and so, um, not, you know, so, so yeah, I, I would be running another company. There's just so much opportunity, uh, and, there's so much fat in so many industries that I feel that if you really um, clean up some of these old school business models, you can just bring in such a new and, and, and better experience to, to customers out there. Um, but um, yeah, I would be doing something else and, um, and, and, and my life would be very similar. I actually have this conversation with my husband a lot. What if Kuyana didn't exist? What would you be doing? <laughs> Would it be something else in, you know, in food, in hospitality, in clothing still, uh, you know, in a different, different sector of clothing, in travel? Would it be, you know, in tech? Oh, yeah. Based on the trends and consumer needs, I feel hospitality is, uh, is kind of the, the next area that needs, needs uh, innovation to address just the, the changing customer needs. Um, for me, I, I mean... <laughs> I think I would probably be more in like the, I'm, I'm really obsessed with just tangible experiences and, and user experiences. So I feel like a, a dream job would be doing something interactive, like in the museum kind of space. So like just really creating um, unique opportunities um, for, for people to connect with one another, I think would be super interesting. And uh, do you, either of you, have any weird hobbies or talents? Do you play a musical instrument? Do you play a sport really well that people wouldn't know? Is there anything like any parlor tricks? Dilpa's as a photographer. She's so good. She actually took our photos of Kuyana in the first couple of years. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. I play along with the camera and I'm also like, um, I think one of the places where I feel the most free is um, when I'm snowboarding. So I think that's also something that I'm pretty passionate about, just getting away from technology and, and riding the mountains. Pretty awesome. Carla? 
Oh my gosh, can I tell you? I have no hidden talents. This is what you got. <laughs> but uh, no, I like my, my passion is to work. I work so much that I like really haven't developed a, a hobby on the side. And I was very clumsy as a kid. So I'm like terrible with sports. I used to play the piano, but I feel I was like forced to. And I was like, I've never developed anything further. But for me, really, my hidden talent is, is like outside of work is just to just hang out with friends under the sun with my husband with my with with my new baby and just relax and have a great time. Yeah, but she's she's underplaying a little because I think what Carla's amazing at is creating amazing um intimate environments of like cooking and food and wine and just like she's she's passionate about about those things and she's like an amazing curator of like any product. I mean, a lot of the, her hobby, she's already bringing into Kuyana. And so like, if you have a need for any product in any space, you're like, Carla's the one to ask because she'll know the best of the best um, of, of any category. Being, being a great entertainer or a great host is a talent for sure. So I think that I think that counts. I was writing, I was starting to think about my bucket list recently and be a great host is an item on my bucket list. Anyone whose wedding um, like transitions seamlessly from like from toasts into a dance party with a saxophone is like pretty skilled at it. Agreed. <laughs> and pool party, Billy. Maybe yeah. <laughs> That's right. Seam- I, I believe it. Oh my God. I bet this transition was so seamless. I wouldn't have even realized that the sax was gone. Right. Um, no. And then last, this has been incredibly fun and we got a long interview out of it and I'm so glad. Uh, And But lastly, anything you want to plug? On Instagram, it's at Kuyana, C-U-Y-A-N-A. And anything else you want people to go check out? Um, 29 Prince Street, our New York store. It's the first like fully expressed view of the Kuyana brand in a physical location. And we're really excited about it. We can't wait to see you there. And Koyana.com as well. I I went Instagram first. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Please rate and subscribe. Uh, Thank you, Carla and Shilpa for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun. And I will talk to you all next Tuesday. Thanks again.